is uh, This is Joe Cole. This is Ruben Loftus Cheek, and you're listening to the London, London is Blue, Blue podcast. All right, Chelsea fans, welcome back to another episode of the London is Blue podcast. Uh, I'm back, your host, Brandon, joined by Nick and Dan. Gentlemen, we've got an Everton midweek match pod this week, and um, while it feels good to be back, the uh, the sentiment is not quite the same, Nick, when it comes to the result of this one, especially with all the injuries and Rafa out and turmoil inside Everton, perfect perfect opportunity for three points and it just just wasn't there yeah we've been doing this show what uh seven and a half years now you could have like i guarantee you marco put money on everton draw you've seen this script play out (laughs) i just guarantee like we've just seen it team in turmoil visit stanford bridge chelsea looking for momentum what happens a disappointing draw and uh yeah it's just uh ridiculous but Look, I, this is our first show with you for like a week and a half now. Uh, tell tell the people what you've been up to. <laughs> Bionic yeah. Brandon! Bionic Brandon! Thankfully, it's it's actually not all me in that knee. Um, I did use uh, one piece of donor tissue. So uh, thank you to them for my ALL reconstruction. But yeah, I uh, got engaged and then immediately went under for surgery. Uh, to fix my completely shattered left knee, it felt like. <laughs> and so uh, I'm successfully engaged and am su- successfully uh, repaired on my knee. So um, onwards and upwards through this long road to recovery. And and I guess that just means I have more time to sit at home and plan a wedding, according to Elizabeth. So here we go. <laughs> or record your favorite podcast, uh, which is what we're going to do. That. Yeah. Well, let's get into uh, it. Fuck. Yeah, we'll be. It'll be good. So, it, it, like I said, if I'm rusty, I apologize. But uh, hopefully, my excitement of being back will cover up for for the match and what happened. So, we're going to be talking about Chelsea's compounding problems on and off the pitch. Uh, we'll talk about the continued climb of Mason Mount, and then we'll obviously talk about another round of today. I learned from the match. So, as always, Dan, let's go ahead and kick it off. Get a pulse check from the people. With a three-word match review. Uh, the, the beats per minute on this pulse check might make you think that the person is going into cardiac arrest. Um, Ganazagina with O Awful Night in reference to both the men and women's <laughs> matches. Good yeah. uh, holiday theming as well. Mark with the already on holiday. Out of office message from Chelsea, unfortunately, today. With that result, Nomad Blue with dismal December doldrums. Uh, Motor Mount with Everton of Waste. Mm-hmm. RJ with sour-tasting toffees, Jam with bunch of Santas, CFC Central with pain from Spain, and then in honor of a wonderful season finale of Secession, Craig coming in with the Logan Roy, uh, played by Brian Cox. Oh fuck off! I, I have yet I'm to watch. That. I have yet to watch it, so that's my that's my holiday break show. I'm gonna, oh, I'm gonna get it I'm one episode ahead of Nick in a culturally relevant show. So take that. In the oh my gosh. Uh, 2021 will not cease uh, to amaze. Man, just when you think the the world's falling apart, you get more confirmation that it actually is. And that's Brandon. I know. Watching I know. Show. We started with, started with Elizabeth and then I was like, I want to watch more and more. And she's just not around. So I was like, I might just leave her in the dust and, uh, and push through. But anyways, uh, my three-word match review was title slipping slowly. Uh, doesn't mean it's out of our grasp, but definitely fingers falling off uh, of the sides of it. Dan, what did you have? Questions, not answers. There's a lot of questions, not just for Chelsea, but I think really for the entirety of the Premier League right now and maybe even the sporting world and just our kind of personal lives as, you know, what, what comes next. And, the you know, I think we're all very thankful that uh, Brandon decided to bust up his knee as the portent of uh, telling us not to go to London, and uh, that seemed to be the right decision. Uh, but yeah, Nick, just yeah, not not good times. It's not great, Dan. And uh, so I'm going with stuck in toffee. Uh, that's basically our our attack right now. And uh, yep, you probably understand where I was going with that. Uh, that's fair play. Uh, so real quick, some gratitudes, Dan. We do have. You, who have submitted an Apple Podcast review, it looks like. I don't know who this was, but I appreciate it. It was Team Dan, exclamation point, from the U.S., leaving a wonderful five-star review in Apple Podcasts. If you haven't done it yet, 
please go leave a five-star in the Apple podcast. And if you're one of the people that Spotify has enabled the ability to rate podcasts on, you should go leave a five-star rating in Spotify for your favorite Chelsea podcast, London is Blue, or your second favorite Chelsea podcast, London is Blue. You know, we, we know people love the fan cast. We know people love other things. That's okay. If we're second in your heart, that's fine. Just leave five stars. And then uh, Spotify Wrapped, continue sharing those. It's made our hearts feel warm in dark and dreary times. It's been very nice to see the thousands of minutes that people have dedicated to spending time with us uh, wherever that may be. And so we appreciate that. All right. Well, it looks like we have 10 reviews already on Spotify. I'm going to go ahead and hit my five star. That is exciting. Uh, off to a good start on that. So that is that is great. I didn't know they added that feature. Um, but let's go ahead and jump into it. It was Everton this past Thursday, the 16th of December, in the Premier League competition, and it was at Stamford Bridge, in case you missed it, scoreline. Chelsea won, Everton won. Uh, obviously, Mason Mount with the goal. Some teenager for Everton scored. So you know what? We'll go ahead and throw it to the fifth stand, the official app from Chelsea FC. Thank you to them for letting us add their match reviews to this. So let's rewind it and see what happened. Here we go. Jorginho. Pinched it from Andre Gomez. Here's Ziyech again. That's better. Better what way of keeping the ball. Great run by Rhys James. Well, it's brilliant. Jorginho's picked him out. And oh. Rhys James has put it wide. Everything but the goal. I tell you what, from our vantage point, Matt, you know, that's a great run. James has picked up one of those pockets of space in midfield again. And he's driving on. It's a decent pass as well. And it might have grazed the post on the way past from Mason Mount. All I would say was it's probably half a yard short of the right pace on the ball. Well, that's really clever from Hakeem Ziyech. Sent Mason Holgate for a hot dog. Now can he pick out a colleague? Oh, what a goal that would have been. What a shame that Pickford was able to deny it as and stop Pulisic from scoring. It's another good chance, isn't it? Super play from Ziyech, wasn't it? Rudiger. Oh, brilliant. He's got it back through to Mason oh. Mount and Pickford has made an excellent save by sticking his leg out. Oh, three or four times in this half. Chelsea have almost scored the goal of the season. Unbelievable. What a goal that would have been. Against Gomez. Off for James. Space for Mount, right hand side. Here he is. It's Mason Mount. Yeah. There's the breakthrough. And no surprise that it's Mount who's got the goal. He can't stop scoring at the moment. Four in four in the Premier League for Mason Mount. And at long, long last, Chelsea get the breakthrough against this stubborn Everton side. The ball as well, and it's been touched in at the far post. Would you believe it? It was always going to be from a set piece that it looked like they would get their goal, and that's exactly what Jared Brandplate has done. The game is done. Final score, Chelsea won, Everton won. All right, so that was the match in a nutshell. I think you can hear the uh, the disappointment in their voices as well. So let's go ahead and run it through the lineup, Dan, and let's see what Tuchel was left with after all of these uh, late scratches to the eligibility lineup. Yeah, it was Edouard Mendy between the sticks, Antonio Rudiger, Thiago Silva, and Cesar Aspilicueta as your back three. Marcus Alonso, Jorginho, Ruben Loftus-Cheek, and Reese James as the midfield four and uh, wingback pairing. And then Christian Pulisic starting central with Mason Mount and Hakim Ziyech on either side. Unused substitutes included Keppa and Bettinelli, along with Saar, Christensen, and Conte. And it was a trio of Saul, Ross Barkley, and Trev Chalaba making the substitutes appearances. And as Brandon referenced, uh, Kai Havertz unclear on his status, but he did take a, a, a test at the time. But then we saw positive test results or COVID for Timo Werner, Romu Lukaku, and... Um, and Timo, Timo Werner. So uh, just best of luck to all of them for... Timo, Callum, Hudson-Odoi, uh, and, and, Lukaku. and Lukaku. Yeah. 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 Uh, but uh, best wishes just for them to be safe and hopefully everything's okay uh, with them. But yeah, that, that did force Tuchel's hand just a touch. I mean, same thing with Everton. We talked about, you know, they had plenty of injuries and people unavailable. I mean, you've got numbers like 32, uh, 24, and 50 in their starting lineup. 62! Uh, 61 as subs. Exactly. Not even a full subs bench for them. 
so definitely, uh, what they say, they canceled four or five matches this match week. And they've already canceled four for the coming week. So a talking point we will discuss definitely. Um, but when I looked at this lineup, I was like, eh, a little different. Um, but definitely strong enough to go win this match, especially after the first 10 minutes, the way they came out, you're like, okay, this is done and dusted. It's just a matter of time. But let me tell you a fun story called match stats and Mm. see how it worked out. So Chelsea had 80.3% possession. We had 23 shots, 10 on target. Everton had five shots, three on target. Again, both had a goal. We had almost a thousand touches to their 351. We had 778 passes to their 189. 189 passes is so absurdly low. I, I, like that is what's like blowing my mind right now. Uh, we had 11 tackles to their 19 because that's their success side of it. We had seven clearances to their 22. We had seven corners, no offsides, two cautions to their three. We conceded 11 fouls apiece. And the XG, Nick, is the cherry on top with this one at Kaylee underscore graphics uh, saying um, 2.9 to Chelsea, 0.5 for Everton. Um, just just soul-crushing, undeserved, um, won every single category except the scoreline today, but that's sometimes how it goes. Yep. Uh, <laughs> I loved uh, Kaylee underscore graphics here, Dan, with the uh, Mel Brooks quote with uh, saying, tragedy is when I cut my little finger. Comedy is when you fall into an open sewer and die. <laughs> um, Very apropos for yeah. the result that we witnessed today. That's for sure. Oh, man. Yeah. The results, even the women's results on top of that, too, is just another c- compounded issue, as we said earlier. Yerp. Yeah. Um, uh, one random stat from Squawka saying Mason Mount is the youngest player in Chelsea's history to score in four consecutive Premier League games. Watford, West Ham, Leeds, Everton. Money makes makes it rain. Uh, Nick, did you have an M- MPVET uh, shithouse nope. more than the match? Nope, sure didn't. Yeah, that makes sense. And, uh, and sadly, Joe Tweed's uh, expected bodies really came up empty today as well. So yep, It was us. We were all expected bodied for yep. having to watch it. Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and take our ad break. When we get back, we're jumping right into compounding problems. Uh, talking about off-the-pitch issues as well as on-the-pitch issues, uh, hence the compounding sign. So uh, we'll take a quick break. Thanks to sponsors for financially supporting the show, and we'll be right back. All right, uh, huge shouts. I am I am behind on Patreon, right? Um, so I want to shout out Hot Diggity Dane, uh, Channing, Jacob, Jay, uh, and Frederick. We've already talked about in Elijah, but I just want to go back in case I missed anyone. Say thank you. Uh, as you know, I've kind of been out of commission since about the 5th of December. So appreciate everyone that's jumped in there. Uh, I need to get back on discord. Uh, it's been far too long. So I miss that amazing, uh, Chelsea community of people. And then we have more podcasts, Dan, don't we? We do. We're going to do a little Kings road mailbag. There's probably some holiday specials coming up next week to make the, the journey. If you are traveling, uh, hopefully safely, but also uh, maybe a little bit more enjoyable because, uh, traveling during the holidays is kind of unfortunate. Um, and also just, you know, we, we do have uh, match review podcast plan too, but obviously that is subject to uh, the Premier League actually continuing play. And so uh, we'll just kind of put the, the, the balloon out there, Nick, that maybe we'll have less pods than anticipated depending upon what happens in the next 24 to 48 hours from now. Uh, I mean, yeah, I know we have, uh, we usually cover that at the end of the match, but I think that's kind of the predominant story right now is, Omicron and Delta are ripping through the UK, they're ripping through the US, they're ripping through the world right now. It looks like, you know, if you've been following the news at all, that there will be a, you know, kind of another tough winter in terms of, uh, in terms of COVID. And, you know, it's just, it's difficult, right? Because I think so many people saw the light at the end of the tunnel. And I know for, you know, just myself, I can only speak for myself, that it's depressing that we're, you know, that we haven't made more headway against this thing. And it is affecting the Premier League. I mean, like Brandon said, there there have been multiple matches canceled. I mean, Spurs haven't played in two weeks because of their COVID issue. Um, a bunch of matches got canceled midweek. We know that we're in the busiest time of the Premier League season where, you know, we're going to play thursday sunday tuesday or thursday sunday wednesday or something like that you know so there is 
you know, from a scheduling perspective, there is not a ton of margin for error here or rescheduling uh, these matches unless they push out the end of the season um, or or whatever. But it's a massive deal. I mean, Chelsea have a few players who have COVID. You will assume that more players will test positive uh, just because of those players. And, the, you know, the fact they were all in the training ground together, you'll assume that there will be more positive tests that will happen. And that seems to be the trend that's happening at, at the rest of these clubs around uh, the UK, Dan, where you start off with one or two cases and then all of a sudden you don't have enough players to play. And it'll just be fascinating to see how this works because, I, I mean, again, there are a lot of people, including Thomas Frank from Brentford, who are advocating for a break until, you know, after the new year or after Boxing Day or something like that, just to like, you know, reset the COVID <laughs> protocols and like yeah. get everyone, you know, kind of within or you know, I guess past their like 10 day, you know, quarantine period or whatever. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, that's kind of where I wanted to start today. This is the most uncertain uh, footing that we've been on since, you know, Project Restart, probably. Yeah. Yeah, I, 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 we'll take us into the first topic, but I, I mean, I think this is not just, you know, I kind of build it as is this Tuchel's toughest test, but you know, I think this is also Chelsea's toughest test at the moment in the Premier Leagues. You know, I think we saw, you know, United uh, kind of experience a pretty massive outbreak on, on their end, but, uh, you know, Lukaku, Havertz potentially, hudson Adoy, Werner being out this match. I, I'm, I actually am surprised with the you know what we we have the caliber of player where we should have won today's match but i will also say that that type of impact to starting players of a roster doesn't necessarily feel like to me that we should be letting those games go forward and we should be trying to advocate for player safety and doing the right thing and it didn't feel like to me that was what was happened and we still have Kovacic unavailable. I mean, it's been basically since the start of the season until now where he's been, you know, kind of nursing hamstring injury and had COVID. I mean, obviously, positive news regarding Chilwell, like running again, like light jogging. That's a really positive sign. So, I mean, not, I mean, it's a lot of terrible and that's like the positive little nugget inside of the shit sandwich. But I just feel like the off the pitch issues now, Brandon, are seemingly taking hold of what initially was a really strong start to the season, and we've had questions about now Chelsea continuing to fire on all cylinders, but the outside impact seems like it is absolutely grabbing hold of, of what you know this team was trying to accomplish. Yeah, I think you know you do have managers Klopp pushing heavy for vaccines. Uh, Thomas Frank, like I said, I listened to his I actually listened to his um, press conference. He's a smart guy. Um, I, I mean, yeah, seems like a really savvy individual. Yeah, you know, he's definitely got, you know, he, he's very pragmatic, too. You know, they're not asking for anything crazy. And I was thinking about this, too, when we talked to Matt Law about, you know, vaccinations and stuff. I think it was early in the season, maybe even last year at this point. You know, I was kind of asking, I was like, oh, well, they really haven't had a break to get vaccinated. And Matt pretty much knocked me down verbally and was like, yes, they have. They have all had the chance. And Thomas Frank was saying that Brentford's like well over 90% vaccinated like like two shots like fully vaxxed and i think he was even saying they were given boosters and you know even chelsea again i think uh allison bender tweeted that chelsea's giving vaccinations uh boosters this saturday uh for the match if they have it and obviously they've done a huge amount of stuff with nhs you just again have to you know assume i think tukul is a lot more he kind of stands in the middle he's like yes i believe in vaccines i'm vaccinated this and that you know but he's not really like he doesn't, he's not pushy about it. And so, you know, he's like, look, we talked to our staff, we talked to them, but it's their choice and things like this. Um, but like the, you know, we're starting to have, you know, consequences. And I think that even though the footballers have lived in a, a bubble for the last couple of years, more or less, you know, with Omicron there, there's much more likely they're going to get it now than they were before. So let's just hope that the seriousness of it isn't, you know, anywhere like uh, Delta or the original, you know, kind of strand that ran through it. But I mean, it's to the point where we're having very, we're having this far out of it and we're having some very real world consequences. Um, And I'm actually like now starting to think of like, well, what is it like having all these stadiums packed as well again? Like if the players are getting at a high level, I was trying to like do this like conversation in my head of like, well, is the general public 
proportionately more vaccinated than the player pool in the Premier League, and I think so. Dan, didn't you send a tweet that the EFL is like like scary low with their vaccinations? Yeah, it was it was not um, solid sixty percent relative, relative to the total populace for some countries, and so yeah, it's just. I think, you know, there's on pitch issues too. like, I I don't want to kind of, um, you know, lean into the fact that like, there's not so many issues, like, you know, so many issues externally that are causing problems and probably are weighing heavy. Uh, You know, Emma Hayes had a couple of comments about uh, their match and kind of the COVID breakout in in their team and what the potential impact that that's had on the, the psyche of the players. But I mean, I think there's also on-pitch issues, too, that we can break into next. Yeah, I want, I want to just finish the off-pitch thing, though, because it, it, it is, again, this is the world that we live in, right? We have, to, we have to think pragmatically about player safety, player health, fan safety, fan health, right? Organizational, you know, health, like all this stuff. And, you know, I was listening to TalkSport on the way home, and they did bring up something interesting. Our, our friend Simon Johnson was on... Uh, talk sport tonight doing the the back pages and you know he did bring up something interesting and, and we, i don't think we've really talked about this very much since you know probably project restart just because it there have been such a lo- low volume of positive tests uh or positive yeah uh results out of the primary player pool largely because stadiums were empty largely because they had bubbles and all this other stuff but uh he was like look if you're a player and you have a family member, a young kid, or or a, someone who has like a, um, you know, kind of a immunocompromised situation at home. You're definitely nervous going to work. Like you know, a lot of players are probably nervous going to work right now. And you know, the minute you know, we could we could bring it back to Chelsea. The minute the Kovacic tests positive, and I'm not suggesting there was anything you know, out of the ordinary with him testing positive. A lot of people are testing positive right now uh, who have been vaccinated and, and all this stuff. The minute he tests positive, you know, if you're Kai Havertz and you dealt with this thing hard last year, you kind of have to be a little, you know, hesitant, right? Like, I mean, that's just human nature, I think, with all this stuff. And so I I would hope that as the Premier League figures out what they're going to do, same with the FA Cup and all this other stuff, I would hope that they are in consult and regular consult with the players to see like what makes the most sense. And if it's playing in front of no fans again, which would be absolutely terrible. If that's the way to keep more people healthy at at this point of time until we can get, you know, this, this new wave under control, then like, that's just the pragmatic thing to do. I, I, you know, I think we'd all rather see football than no football you know, more, more than, more than anything. So I, I just hope that the, you know, everyone is, is consulted on this because it's not just a league decision. The players have to go out there and perform. And if they're nervous to go to work or they have anxiety about this thing, like we remember Ingolo Conte opting out for a minute, you know, last year uh, because, you know, he was, you know, scared of the virus. Like I just hope they're all in consult. That, that's all. So, I know the Premier League has a lot to do, Dan, and I, I know we want to talk about our own bullshit, uh, which we will now. But, like, th- I mean, this is the story. It's not yeah. Chelsea playing. I, I would also hope, too, that the Premier League, you know, I think has requirements for the amount of players that are eligible to play, and that's that's how they play matches, right? But it did seem largely unfair at the busiest time of year that Chelsea and Everton played uh, and a couple of other teams played yesterday. City played on Tuesday. And you have half the teams in the league with a midweek off at a time where they, you know, are probably as heavy-legged as we are. Yeah. So I hope there is some, like, competition assessment here as well to figure out what the right thing is. Because if Chelsea has – if Chelsea is healthy enough, you know, for whatever reason – to play all the way through the Christmas period. We're the only team, you know, that can play against these other random teams that are healthy enough to play. And we're like four or five games up through the biz, you know, through the busiest season. And we've gassed ourselves when other teams haven't played for a month and a half. Like that's going to be a really unfair Premier League table. Yeah. And I imagine that there's, Look, there's a, a lot of lawyers, there's a lot of executives on the, the board level and on the competitive kind of committees that exist, and I'm sure they will come to some type of resolution. But obviously, we need to also handle our own on-the-pitch reality um, as much as it is 
Uh, and so Liam had a Liam Toomey, you know, we're just referencing all of our friends from the athletic today, hmm. had a wonderful tweet, which quote tweeted the XG for the game and said, expected thrashings don't win league titles. And uh, it was very much expected thrashing FC in that first 15, 20 minutes of the match where Chelsea just were pummeling Everton to start the match. And you figured one of Mesa's shots, one of Reese's shots, Hakeem with a little bit of early match saw somebody was going to put a ball into the back of the net. And Brandon, it just didn't come off. And I'm also trying to figure out, like, where is this massive case of the yips coming from in front of goal? Because, like, this is... I mean, the trend line is not good. It is a bad, bad trend line where we are continuing to underperform our expected goals, even though we're creating many big chances and we are creating way more chances than our opposition. I mean, you could probably point at the fact that you've been missing your top two strikers and your top false nine Kai Havertz for uh, a lot of this run as well, um, which is the funny part is you've got all these creative players creating chances, but no one to finish them. I mean, I think that's what it kind of comes down to. Creating chances. Uh, Mason, thankfully, has stepped up. You know, Reese had that brilliant run where he was scoring 1.3 goals a game or whatever it was. Uh, Chilwell was chipping in. He went out with his injury. Um, you know, defenders were scoring for a little bit. You know, Rudiger with two assists last weekend, uh, drawing two penalties. So there, there was that. Um, but I just think it kind of comes back to... Um, you know, all, all these guys creating the chances, but no one there to finish it. You know, we, we are missing Lukaku, uh, are missing Timo Werner, and we missed Kai um, in and out of this run as well. So, again, those are your three, your top three kind of finishers in the squad. Um, that doesn't mean that options. Christian shouldn't have. Yeah, I mean, that, again, that doesn't mean that Mason shouldn't have scored today. Another one today doesn't mean that Reese shouldn't have scored today. doesn't mean that Christian shouldn't have scored today. You know, whatever Ziyech, but it's just, you know, no, 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 just not a lot of killer instincts right now. Um, People are kind of, you know, taking a hit in confidence for some reason. It's interesting, though, because Mr. Stick put this in Discord, right? Uh, Liverpool and Newcastle played today. They were uh, two teams who were also, uh, I guess, eligible to play. (laughs) Um, Liverpool, 74% possession. Newcastle United's 26, 23 shots, same as us. Eight on target, right? Um, and three goals. Right? Now, one of them is a worldie from Alexander Arnold. So take that Correct. Maybe take that out of the whatever expected goal scenario there. But I mean, that's just the difference, guys. Like, uh, you want to talk about finishing. I was shocked that Reese James did not just put the ball through Pickford in the second minute or whatever that was. I was shocked, you know, like he's our most critical finisher right now uh, at bar Mason Mount, obviously. And, and he didn't put it away. I'm shocked that Mason Mount tried to go through Pickford's legs instead of just chipping it over him. You know, there, there were just some easy ones that, you know, on another day, maybe I don't, I don't know what other day, frankly, because we haven't really finished at all this year, but that, that we win this game f- very comfortably. It could have been five nil in the first half, guys. Like five mil. And I'm not, that's not an exaggeration. We, we had eight shots on target or something like that in the first half. Like it was, it, it looked clinical, but this is the, the story that we've seen a ton this year, right? Come out of the blocks, firing, looking good, feeling good. The offense is clicking. The movement's good. Dan should have four or five goals in the first half, get none, go on to a disappointing result because the team gets the yips and they, you know, they can't find any offensive flow in the second half. I mean, the, off- the second half is a terrible half of football from Chelsea. Uh, this is the story that is, is predominant in our club right now. And I don't know how to fix it. I, I don't, yeah. I, I don't think it's just Lukaku. I, you know, I, I don't know. No, I mean, you saw also too, that, you know, in addition to the, the scoring boots going missing, the, midfield pairing of Jorginho and Loftus-Cheek is more a, a necessity than a preference is still not the recipe for either being resolute defensively because it 
absolutely got pushed through very quickly. It was the hot knife through butter situation on some of those counterattacks that they had. But you also then don't have some of the either speed of passing or line breaking that Conte or Kovacic brings when you pair them up with Jorginho. And I mean, really, those those are enablers in a way that Loftus-Cheek just doesn't show maybe the confidence on the ball or kind of, you know, there was a couple, again, everybody had a couple of like highlight reel moments in this match. You could stitch together like a quick, uh, a quick TikTok reel and uh, get everybody hyped on like, oh, look at this sick move. But in general, over the 90, it was just not, it was not a match where you would say that three, maybe four players had a good day out. Um, I would say Reese and Mason probably had the best days, but beyond that, it was pretty average, which is not what we've come to expect from the champions of Europe. It's also, look, we saw this a lot in early two goal days, 80% possession in a premier league match. Like Everton did not want to be there today. Like they lucked into. I'm just here so I don't get fined. Yeah, I mean they lucked into this, right? Like we lived in their box. Like we lived there. You know, I, I watched this with my creative director at work for a, a smidgen of time today, and like he's like, "Look, what did Pickford make? Like ten saves? Like, yeah, almost. <laughs> you know, I mean he made nine. You know, only one of ours went in. It, it's just it's it's comical, man. And and again." This is a difficult scenario for Chelsea to play in. If we're not clinical in finishing, Brandon, and we just keep banging our head against the wall, right, i.e. passing around their, you know, the opponent's box with no way through, no creativity, you know, to, to get in the mix there, a little bit from Reese and, and Mason, right, a little bit, but not enough, then that's what's going to happen. And they were happy to do it. They were happy just to sit there and go, all right, we're going to kind of foosball this thing and put enough players in decent amounts of space where there's not likely to get a shot through. And and that's going to be how it is. And and it, it was just really, really disappointing, again, to be so dominant because we've seen the storyline so dominant, should have won definitely better, the, you know, the better team. Uh, should have had five goals in the first half, get one and draw and drop valuable points in what is supposed to be a title race that we were competing for, but doesn't really feel like it right now. Definitely did enough to win it. Uh, very predictable from Everton. I saw this coming two days ago. Um, I was actually impressed at how well we were opening them up and, and creating chances in the first half, first 10 minutes, whatever. Um, you know, so again, it did enough, but didn't do the important part, which is score. So um, the only thing that I else, you know, that I can think of, and I'm trying to look ahead in the script to make sure I don't, don't ruin anything. Um, is just like the subs, um, the changes that he, that Tuchel made, I was not happy with. Um, he has this constant thing of not trusting Marcos Alonso is the only thing I can come up with. And the fact that souls going in for him is just not, making the team better. But then it looked like Sewell was playing as like the lone striker at the end of the match. Um, so Which I didn't is... really know what the hell was going on and what the formation was. But at some point you kind of just say, all right, everyone forward. Um, I thought that Ruben had a good game, was getting the shit kicked out of him. So like if he comes off, okay, fine. You know, R- Ross Barkley is more attacking than him. Like that makes sense. And then late Asby for, for Trevo, which could have been for a number of reasons. But to me, that's a little bit more, like for like in that sense. Um, he, honestly, I think he just wanted more height to defend um, set pieces and things because having Aspie and Saul as two of your five defenders doesn't help when Everton's entire team seemed tall on the day. So, um, yeah, just the, the in-game management wasn't there for me today. I know quite a few people said it, so I'm not you know trying to take credit for this super big brain idea, but um, Saul getting raked through the mud today, Dan, he really is not uh, – endearing any of the Chelsea fans to, to his corner. No, the, there were many three-word match reviews that had, were, were left on the cutting room floor because they're maybe just a little cruel. And uh, look, I mean, I think we just, it's very frank to say that this has not worked out the way that nope. Chelsea would hope, that uh, Scott from recruiting would hope for, and uh, others in terms of uh, players we've watched for years. <laughs> 
Scott from recruiting is such a good tagline. <laughs> oh man, uh, um, it, 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 it's how we're, it hasn't worked out, and it's like uh, the episodes of Garfield where like he wanted to send Normal back to like Abu Dhabi. Like that's kind of the the tagline with with Saul right now, unfortunately. Where it's like it's going to be better for him and better for us to figure out what option from the academy we can put into this side for the remainder of the season. And if they're going to get minutes, let's grow someone who's going to be here beyond an additional six months. Like, that is the point we're at now, Nick, in terms of the Saul experiment. Yeah, I, I was thinking about this today because, like, oh, look, uh, you know, it's his Jesus. man that ends up scoring, right? It's this, you know, what I think is this 19-year-old kid from Everton who just signed his first professional contract the other day. And, like... You know, it's just it's kind of hilarious. Like if you if you looked at it on its face, this guy who's supposed to be one of our best midfielders uh, coming in, like we we talked about him potentially being a uh, is he going to be too good to to not start? You know, and, and at the beginning of the season, like I don't I don't think I was one of those people, but whatever. Uh, it is hilarious to see just how little this dude fits into our squad. And again, like I don't even really put it on him. I, I the more I'm thinking about this, I, I I think it's really unfair to expect him because our the quality of our midfield, especially you know over the last year, has been so good between Jorginho and Kovacic and, and Golakante. I think it's unfair that he walked into this team as like a depth signing because we couldn't get the. Um, the rice type character that we wanted to. Um, and I, I just don't think it's, it's a, it's a good fit for him. I don't think it's a league for him. I don't think it's the right type of physical environment for him and to deploy him in three different positions in one match is suicidal. I mean, like it's, it's really, really bad. It was a bad sub. Like I get the Marks Alonzo's tired that brother's going to have to suck it up for a little bit. Like, <laughs> you know, it is what it is. So I, I just, I, I don't think this, the, the more that I was thinking about this, Brandon, to me, I'm not mad at Saul. I'm mad that we spent time recruiting someone who wasn't a fit for the league. And when we could have been chasing the big prize that we know we actually need. That's all. Yeah. I, um, it, right. I mean, Chelsea decided to bring him in like is his best position left wing back probably not but again here we are and uh he is the piece that doesn't fit the puzzle again I I don't know if he's trying to manage minutes for Alonso knowing that we have like no depth in that position uh and there's a lot of the games to come in but again this constant pulling Alonso just it fucks the balance of the team so much that you're just like it's like putting Christian at, at wing back. Honestly, it doesn't. You don't help yourself. And you it really doesn't, don't. And I didn't think Alonso had a bad day either. Like that's what I'm saying. It has to be a minutes thing, although because like he's constantly bringing Alonso off. Yeah. Well, and it, it's shocking too that you know Jorginho playing through hip pain, right? And like on the record, we're gonna have another match in just a couple of days. The recovery timeline is not good for players playing his multiple minutes. Here. Healthy. Uh, you would imagine if Conde was healthy, he maybe comes in for 15, 20 minutes here at the end, maybe. And that doesn't happen. So like, I, I, it's just, it's a bad situation. I'd love to pivot though, if we could, to talk about like the one bright and shining light of this match, which was Mason continuing to uh, surprise us yet again. uh, And being as our friend is our Kinsella points out uh, one of the top goal scorers, the race for the golden boot is on Salah. Mason Mount on seven goals with tied with Dennis from Watford and behind Diego Jota and Jamie Vardy, who are at eight and nine goals. But seven goals for Mason Mount, Nick. Like, this is this is what we were hoping for. This was the how do we see the step over step, the year over year improvement. And Mason is just looking to find ways to contribute. And in the past couple of weeks, been our most consistent player. <laughs> I have so much to say about this because... Uh, long are the long ago are the days where, oh, but does he provide open field assists? And uh, I remember at the beginning of the season, like, of, of course, he didn't, I don't think, had the start to the season that he would have liked. Um, 
But, uh, you know, we all said on the show that, like, there's just not a chance that he's not a key contributor to this team. Like, he has been the last two years. He's already a European champion. He's only 21 years old, 22 years old, right? Like, he is not anywhere near the finished article for what he can be, which is scary because he's already really fucking good. And you look at him now and you're like, okay, the finishing is consistent. He missed the easy one today and made the hard one. Uh, you know, that near post little curler thing. I was like, Whoa, like that's a, that's a nice finish. Like that's a really quality finish, um, on that side. So, yeah, I mean, this this cat is going to continue to be a leader in the team. He's going to continue to be uh, someone you can rely on to do some of the hard work, Brandon, you know, the pressing and all the other stuff that we know he can do. But now he's offering all of the uh, goal, uh, uh, goal and assists uh, types of, of motions that you'd want out of a player who's playing in one of those front three positions. It's a lot easier to justify him for the Ballon d'Or, him in Team of the Season, if everyone knows how great of an uh, you know an asset he is to the to the way the team plays, and he's contributing uh, to goals and assists and all that other stuff. Yeah, he's um, uh, twenty two, almost twenty three uh, in January, uh, which is amazingly young for what all he has done for club and country. Um, and I just think that that is super, um, just, you know, super, super credit to him, uh, for being the one to kind of like get this in, you know, to this level, uh, with, you know, all the loans and different things he's, he's had to go through to get here. Um, I, I we've remember, got to talk. Yeah. I was just about to say, when we talked to him, it was like humble as pie, you know, I want to, I want to do all this stuff for the team. It's like, yeah, you're doing it now, man. Like, not only are you, you know, you obviously didn't have the finishing year that you would have wanted to last year, but you still are a European champion. Now the stats are backing up all this shit that it, when we talked to him two years ago, plus mm-hmm. Brandon's like, oh my God, it's all coming true now. Yeah, I know, absolutely. Um, do, and, do you know, you know Brandon Busby? Me. Do you know where Mason Mount currently ranks in the non-penalty Goals. We're gonna take out penalty goals. No idea. They don't count. No idea. Plus assists per ninety in the Premier League. Where where is he at, Professor Dan? Well, here's the question. Um, is he above or below Diego Jota? Uh, above. Above. Correct. Is he above or below Dennis from Watford? Above. I hope above. He is second only to Salah right now. Salah's at 1.31, Mason Mount 1.01. And actually, Paul Pogba is at 1.0, even, as uh, as your top three. Yeah, look, I think that Mason is is kind of taking his Vitessa and Darby form, you know, as the attacking role. Uh, before, he was more of a, a tactics guy under Frank and even under Tuchel at times. Now, you know, he we need goals, and he's getting himself in the position to score said goals. Again, I don't think anyone would say out on the, you know, one of the, the three attackers is probably his favorite or best spot, but he's been able to adapt yet again and is being highly effective, especially when the rest of the team is not, you know, four goals in four games is, is super impressive, especially when you're playing in the Premier League um, and they're all open play goals. So again, I think that he is truly stepping up in a moment of need, which is, you know what you need from big players who is again only 22 about to turn 23 turns out he's a really good footballer and if you were one of the people who have slowly backed away from your twitter comments about his open play whatever's uh you're welcome on the bandwagon uh there's a lot of room still uh we're gonna try and get this cat a ballon d'or with all the press uh that we'll that we'll give him and uh you know, I guess as as soon as we're done giving Leo Messi a lifetime achievement award uh, every year, then uh, then that will happen. So we're gonna we're gonna just be on that train then. Absolutely. Um, all right. The last thing we have in here is today. I learned what's the one thing you learned from this match, and much like we do with the three hundred match reviews, instead of us just talking about what we've learned. Uh, we went to the beautiful people in Discord, Dan. Right? Well, we, we, we this you know we should bring this up in Discord, but it is a, it is a Twitter thing that I've started asking because you know, I love a little 
a little TIL, a little bit of a knowledge bomb potentially being dropped through self-education. And RJ had that we're simply not as consistent and as ruthless as our direct rivals for the title, uh, given the way that Norwich and Newcastle were beaten up upon by City and Liverpool. That's a very fair comment. Ian, with the no one told Tuchel, uh, Tuchel that Chelsea can't play football in December. <laughs> uh, yes, that did not come with the Chelsea instruction manual, clearly. Um Il Comunicado with Chelsea versus Everton brings apocalypses because it was only uh, <laughs> last year when Everton and Chelsea played that it was the end of football for a period of time before the, the restart period. Uh, Connor with it, the mountain is a real deal and that the Qatar World Cup will save our season next year because there'll be no December football. That's a really great silver lining to that terribly timed World Cup. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was great. And then... Um, B Preshi CFC with that uh, that VAR can disallow Timo's goal from a foul that was committed three minutes prior and have no power to overturn a goal from a free kick where the player trips over his own feet but Mike Oliver calls it on Reese. Very fair comment and not talked about enough. That was uh, that was a deep cut right there. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 uh, B went uh, way way back in the in the Rolodex for that one. That was nice. Uh, I, you know, I put defending is hard. Tuchel kind of talked about it in one of his, uh, pre-match pressers. Um, just, you know, cause I think he was asked like, what happened to the clean sheets? And he's like, well, it turns out it's a lot harder than we think. Um, while the defense has pretty much been regular minus the left wing back now. Um, I think it just goes to show you how hard that midfield was working to eliminate chances. Um, and, and with all the injuries that we've had in midfield, um, that just hasn't been there. Turns out Jorginho and Conte are our best midfield duo by a mile, mainly because of what all they offer uh, from a defensive standpoint. And they let the rest of the players, the wingbacks and the three up front, go do their thing. Um, so, yeah, defending is hard. Clean sheets are hard, which honestly just goes to show that the the run that we had and the record that we have under Tuchel is really just that more impressive more than anything. I mean, again, Liverpool getting – Scored on, I mean, I have, you know, no one has Liverpool defenders for clean sheets uh, in fantasy. You have them for the offensive contribution. Uh, with Chelsea, you're having it because you're on that crazy clean sheet run where it, you couldn't, you, you just, there's no way you're going to get scored. And then Burnley ruined it all for us. Um, and we've just struggled to kind of get the, get it back, sadly. It's accurate. I, I put that the uh, the three zero seven formation that we've been playing the last uh, two months is not ideal. It's not good tactically. It's not working. I mean, again, you know, I there there will be a Tinkerman podcast that comes out soon that I'm sure um, will go through all the different tactical ruminations and you know types of setups that Tuchel has tried uh, to get this team scoring and defending more effectively. But just to have Thiago Silva, Rudiger, and you know today Aspi, but you know Christensen or Chalba or whoever else back there waiting for a counterattack after, you know, largely our own set pieces go awry is, is just, it's not good enough. And it also just floods the zone too much. I think like if, if I'm looking at this, honestly, like to have Reese and Mason so close together with Christian uh, and Ziyech so close together and Alonzo and Jorginho so close together, moving off the street, kind of, you know, playing, playing jazz in the middle there and trying to take on people it just it's too many people there isn't enough space to pass the ball they aren't on the same page and it's just the system has not worked uh so they need to get back to figuring out a balance in the squad Dan that's what I learned I think speaking to the attack piece I went with uh, that Christian Pulisic as the Number nine or the false nine or playing at least centrally in the attack was not super ideal and where he kind of throw, you know, really excels is getting the runs off of or getting a chance to kind of come in from the left. And it just really was tough sledding for him on the day. And I just don't think it is it really makes me hope that we're all healthy for next the next game because yeah. this is really really stitched together at the moment. <laughs> yeah, he he took one for the team today. That of course is not the role in which he's going to thrive. Um, he's actually taken one for the team playing wing back too recently. So, like I think it was just you're not going to put Mason up there. You're not going to put Ziyech up there. You know, try and play some sort of like you know, lightweight front 
three and just hope their runs make enough because it's not a it's not a false nine. This is a this is a Christian playing as a center forward and it's just it, not enough room to run today. I can't remember what Elizabeth said. We were watching the game a little bit this afternoon. And I can't remember the word she used, but essentially she had even like called out the fact that like Christian was getting the shit kicked out of him yet again. And you're just uh, like four fouls drawn. Yeah. So he, he definitely was getting their attention. I just think they were, were he, it's, 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 it'll be interesting to see how he can kick off with, you know, cause he seems like he'll get an opportunity for a run of minutes here. And uh, it would be great for him to uh, find that restart form again. Well, I mean, yeah, we said the same about Callum. Right, yep. you know, a few months ago, why not? Why not Christian in this moment? I mean, what what we are missing is creativity in the final third. We're we're missing someone who's going to take on a player. Right, Ziyech did it a little bit in the first half. You know, he had that really awesome dummy run, and then his ball didn't didn't quite make it to its intended target. And he was a little bit more creative with some of the passes that he was trying to play through. He never really connected, though. I mean, so to have Christian weave his way into the box, maybe draw a penalty, maybe play an assist, maybe shoot. I think that is still something that this team has been lacking. And, you know, when we played our best this year, it's when Cal was able to get in behind or Reese is able to get in behind, right? And we're able to make the right runs. And Christian is is capable of taking on players, doing it a little bit differently, obviously. He's not going to have the straight line speed of of Cal. But, um, but, yeah, I mean, it's entirely possible that he starts to come good. I just don't think that position is the way he's going to do it. Yeah, for sure. Um, Dan obviously didn't run a Dan of the match pool. Um, understandable. It normally is during losses, but this felt like a loss. I think it was kind of the, well, the uh, consensus. Yeah. The, the, I mean, my, my, my rule of thumb is depending upon the general attitude and atmosphere wins always some draws where maybe we kind of clawed it back, but this one we, we gave it up. You know, I, I think just, you know, the Dan of the match is everybody who's prioritizing the health and safety of their friends, family, loved ones, communities by getting vaccines, getting boosters, wearing masks and, and practicing all the behaviors to keep one another safe um, as we go through another troubled time. So, um, yeah, a lot of easy resources to get access to that type of stuff. So if you can, uh, great opportunity to do so. You're the Dan of the match if you've done that. You can take that and you can clip it. You know, you can share it with your friends and your loved ones. You're like, I'm the Dan of the match. Me. Not Jorginho, not Conte. <laughs> Put it on the fridge. Yeah, I don't know how you do that with an audio note, but um, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they'll figure out a way. Maybe uh, on a smart could, fridge, on a Samsung. Just, just make a, we can just make a sticker or something or a magnet. There you go. <laughs> um, well, other results from the week. Again, it was a, it was a light week because a lot of matches are postponed, but if you roll back to Tuesday, uh, Villa beating Norwich 2-0, Man City thrashing Leeds 7-0. Uh, so that happened this week. And then uh, Wednesday's matches, Wolves 1-0 over Brighton. Southampton drew 2-2 at Palace. Uh, Arsenal beating West Ham 2-0. It very easily, by the way. I watched a lot of that match. They pretty much brushed West Ham aside. Uh, then today, obviously, as we said, Chelsea and Everton drew 1-1. Liverpool 3-1 Newcastle. I was kind of looking back at our fixtures, and it wasn't that long ago. November 20th, they absolutely pumped Leicester 3-0. Uh, then you turn around and play Juventus right off the pitch, winning 4 nothing. You draw against United. You squeak by Watford. You lose terribly to West Ham. And, you know, Watford, now we're in December. You draw to Zenit, which is just ugly. You barely beat Leeds because you get two penalties off for Rudiger. You draw to Everton. Now we have to go to Wolves. And this run of, like, mid-table teams are like, oh, Chelsea will cruise. It ain't happening, right? So it's it's Wolves upcoming. Brentford in the cup, Villa, Brighton, you know, that rounds out the rest of the month. Like we really need to capitalize on these Wolves, Villa, Brighton match. And, you know, Villa, they're starting to, with Steven Gerrard in charge. I mean, they're, they're, they're looking like they have potential to cause some damage. Um, And Wolves, you just never know what you're going to get. So it's just, it's, um, it's an important time of the season as always, Nick, especially now that we're four points behind the leaders. We're no longer at the top of the pack. Yeah. I mean, I remember talking to Matt Law. It had to be like right after that Juve game when he was looking at the December fixtures, and he was the first to say that it was not going to be easy for Chelsea, and it certainly hasn't been. I I don't think he could have foreseen all the COVID stuff happening, right? Because it's it's been a very fast kind of moving thing. But 
yeah, Chelsea's form is really bad, you know, for, for the standard in which, you know, you know, they become the champions of Europe. So I, I don't know what Tuchel does uh, with this many matches in a short period of time with all the uncertainty around, are we playing? Are we not playing injuries, COVID in the squad, all this other stuff. You know, I think, this is why he gets paid the big bucks, and he's that you know every manager in the Premier League right now is having to do more than their job description <laughs> stated, right? Because of of all the extra stuff. So I hope he has a solution. Uh, maybe he switches up the style of play or something like that. But yeah, it's just not good enough right now. Uh, table as it stands, Man City in first. They are five of five of the last results. Uh, 41 points plus 31 goal difference. That is no joke. But you got Liverpool in second on 40 points, also winning five of the last five. Uh, 40 points plus 35 goal difference. Chelsea, um, while we've had a mixed bag of results in our last five, we are 37 points plus 27 goal difference. So we're still in the mix on points and goal difference, which is good. But obviously, if you look at the last five form, Chelsea are far less uh, on track than Liverpool and City have been. Uh, and in fourth, a surprising team, Arsenal. Uh, Arsenal the love affair points. is back on. The Barry Maybe. White is so coming we're, on the radio. We're, we're the roses are being them. ordered. West the chocolate AM. strawberries are arriving in mass. And Mikel Arteta in fourth place are just... Uh, I and one another from across the table playing footsies. Wonder about what comes after the main course. Gross. Uh, West Ham in fifth <laughs> on 28 points. <laughs> Man United sixth on 27 points. And Tottenham in uh, seventh on 25 points. So you'd say outside of Leicester City, kind of the, the big teams, quote unquote, are back, you know, in and around the, the top, the top six, right? You've got seven teams, West Ham still holding it down. Leicester City just not really putting up much of an attack. Uh, Then at the bottom, as you'd expect, Burnley in 18th on 11 points. Newcastle up to 19th still uh, on 10 points. And Norwich uh, bottom with 20 points. But even if you look at it, the the discrepancies in matches played. Burnley have only played 15 matches, while probably about half the the Premier League have played 17 matches. Tottenham on 14. Yeah, and so... That, like there's some crazy fluctuations. I mean, we're talking three match difference and we're just halfway through December. Dan, I just feel like that's really going to cause some, some cluster fucks at the end of the season, especially with AFCON club world cup, uh, and just trying to sneak these in around all the other tournaments, competitions that go on with champions league and FA cup and things like that. This is going to cause a, a huge issue at the end of the season. The other sneaky thing is if you have forgotten Tottenham Hotspur have not played multiple matches. They are currently only 14 matches played. So if you really wanted to like just do your head in a little bit on how tight the margins could become at the top, it's Spurs, so it probably doesn't happen. But it's also Antonio Conte, who is a bit of a serial winner, and he's going to see if he can dispel the curse of the defense against the dark arts, Harry Potter type of situation here. Can he be the one to break it? I don't know. But they could easily have nine more points. They could be on 34. They could be in fourth place above Arsenal. So, I mean, that's just that's a scary proposition right there uh, to have that type of ammunition back there when potentially they'll be back and healthy. I I don't see that happening. But, I mean, it's also... Uh, yeah, I think I think the real trouble, though, is what, is what Brandon said and what I was saying earlier, is there with as as much international football is happening you know we still have at least three international breaks for world cup qualifying in the spring in addition to all this stuff right where do you put these matches does the premier league season go into the middle or late june what about the fa cup how does the champions league final move like it really is a difficult scenario i don't know how they're going to navigate it but it does seem like some sort of pause would make sense. And then you just hope that you can figure out how to do it. And I, you know, that I don't, I don't get paid the medium sized bucks for, for nothing folks. So there's a problem without a solution. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and end on that open-ended question. Uh, let the, let the people solve this mystery, uh, hit us up on social and the discord, but, uh, that's going to wrap us up. You know, it's midweek match. We potentially have a match coming up this weekend. 
uh, knock on wood that everyone stays safe, but it, there's a lot of uh, chatter that um, there might be a 10-day break, might be a little bit of a, um, a pause on this. So we'll see if we end up playing Wolves on Sunday, uh, the 19th of December. So anyways, we appreciate you all as always uh, for listening. It's good to be back. I don't think I fumbled over my feet too much. Um, but there's definitely some dust to knock off. So anyways, we appreciate every one of you. Uh, Nick and Dan, thank you gentlemen for hanging out. Uh, that's going to wrap us up. So until next time, Chelsea fans, you know what to do? Keep the blue flag flying high.